Hello, listeners, and welcome to Sober Town. I am King13 and doing another podcast for you today with a lady. When I first saw her, I was so impressed because I come from the I Am Sober community and I want to give them a shout out because this young lady does too. And basically, it's a free app that you can download and it will count your alcohol free days. And you get to meet people and support people. And it's just a terrific app just to. As I said, build a whole new group of sober friends, which I have done. And without it, I don't think I would be where I am today. And also, I just want to just let you know that here at Sober Town, we have, we're like a one-stop shop for sobriety. There are loads of podcasts. And like this um, guest of mine today, she is going to bravely tell her story. And I just want to give her a huge, huge congratulations because when I met this young lady, she is five years sober today. Congratulations, by the way, Acacia. When I first got on IAS and I remember looking through the milestones because you can go, you know, anything up to 20 years. And this Acacia Moon had posted and it was something like, I think, 1,700 days. And I nearly fell off my chair. I think I was a bit about a week. <laughs> and I thought, who is this woman? I have to get to know her. I thought I was so impressed. <clears throat> I was so impressed. I was so curious that I started following her. And um, we have now become friends. She is a, a gorgeous woman, a beautiful mother. And I just want to thank you, Acacia, for doing your story to get today and welcome you. So how are you? Welcome and congratulations. Thank you so much. I am fantastic. I just did a celebratory hike with my daughter this morning. So it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, she is beautiful. She's absolutely gorgeous. And she looks a lot like her mum. Okay, so <laughs> you can start wherever you want. Just, yeah, it's, this is your time just to, to tell me what happened to you. And for you listeners, I just want to say this. If you have no hope, this is going to give you hope. Because this lady completely turned her life around. So tell us how that happened. Okay. Well, I guess a, a brief synopsis. I'm one of six children. Um, my mother left when I was six years old. Um, my father was always more worried about his life in general. Everything had strings attached when it came to ever taking care of his kids. So my grandparents raised me. Um, they're good old Southern Baptist folks have uh, very strong morals, but they're not loving. They're just, you know, they were just there for support, uh, always good for school stuff and things like that. But anything too serious, they're just kind of like, oh, let's not show emotions. Let's not say I love you. Let's let's just, you know, pat each other on the back and go on with our days. Um, so I bonded very strongly with my siblings because um, we pretty much raised each other. Uh, I don't know my youngest two siblings very well. They had different fathers, but I am very close with my older brother, older sister, and my younger sister. Right. Um, so uh, my older sister actually is 18 months sober yesterday. So we hung out and had a nice little brunch. Um, but I guess uh, where to go from there? I I guess we can just jump right into when I started drinking. Um, I was 
14 years old, um, a flag girl in the marching band, uh, mm. spunky, uh, ADHD, very hyper, just all over the place. Um, I decided to uh, sneak off with a group of gentlemen after a football game. Um, and they take me to where they hang out, have a bonfire, and I get offered a beer and a shot of Goldschlager. And I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's pretty much like a, a, a minty snops kind of thing. It's kind of cinnamony. It's ugh, it's awful. Um, so I take that shot and I have about halfway through my beer when my sister shows up with her boyfriend and is like, get your ass home. What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Mm, You're too young for this. <laughs> You're 14. Like, what the hell? So I go home and get a nice long lecture from a, you know, absent father who is there maybe once a week at the house with my grandparents because he needs a place to crash because his girlfriend won't let him stay over. And uh, then I go to bed, uh, wait for him to leave again and crawl out the window and sneak back out. And (laughs) you know, easy enough. My grandparents sleep like rocks. Um, So I get back there and these grown men, I guess they were about 19 and 20, um, kept feeding me shots and shots and shots and beers, uh, to the point that I black out. Um, I then was sexually assaulted by three of them. Um, I just remember bits and bits and pieces of it. Uh, I guess I was fortunate enough to be blacked out that it wasn't as intense, I guess, as it should be. I don't know. I, I guess I don't have much patience for it. But. Honey, that was very intense. That was very, very, you're 14 years old, mm-hmm. sweetie, 14 years old. How, you said you blacked out, but did you have some memory of the, of this, these horrible acts happening to you? Uh, did you yes. saw the faces or something? Yeah, there were flashes um, of memory um, and over the next couple of days, I started remembering more of what happened. Um, I actually, uh, they dropped me back off at my house and I stumble through and go throw up in the bathroom and I wake up in a puddle of my own vomit the next morning and I have to work my first shift at my Chick-fil-A job. (laughs) Oh God. Um, And you you have to work with food. That's it. Oh God. That's even worse. Yes, I'm I'm hungover and I'm sore and I'm sore in places mm. that I'm unsure about because of what happened. Um, I really actually found out uh, more details that Monday at school because one of my good friends had a black eye and was scraped up. And I was like, what the hell happened? And he said, I tried to stop my brother from raping you and he beat me up. So uh, it there were people that I could trust, but you still, I mean, end up in shitty situations sometimes. This is, um, this is like a lot. Hold on. This is a lot. I'm just going to stop you right there. Not to make fun of you going to have to work with food because that's just, you know, how I roll. But this is really serious. You wake up, you get home, thank God that you're still alive. Nobody wakes in the house. So you just go to bed. You are a 14-year-old little young teenager okay now you wake up what was your first instinct to do did I mean who could you tell somebody because did you understand 
what had happened to you and the fact that you could, you know, may have been like there was pre- – did you know about pregnancies and all that sort of stuff then? Because this um, is, like, I crazy. wasn't very well educated on things. Right, okay. Uh, because, you know, my grandparents weren't the type to have the talk or anything like yep, that. No, that's, and yep, okay. Me and my sister at the time, we didn't get along. We, we were always at each other's throats. We're a year and a half apart. So it was just like me, me, me all the time. And uh, so, no, I really didn't have anybody to talk to about it. Um, I didn't feel like... I had anyone, um, though my siblings probably would have been there for me. They actually just found out about it a couple years back. Um, I was open with them about how that happened. Um, and it kind of just created this giant downward spiral in my life. I was uh, so just, I guess traumatized would be the word that I started acting out. I started uh, drinking on weekends and doing anything to just get fucked up and um, started to fail classes in school and getting into trouble all the time. Um, I started stealing a lot. Um, And I think subconsciously I was doing all this to be seen, um, to have somebody be like, are you okay? Um, but it always led to what the hell's wrong with you? What are you doing? Why are you fucking your life up? Um, and so that was the, the beginning of it. I wasn't drinking daily at that point. I mean, I was only 14. Um, so I just grew up in a very unloving home. Um, and we were never a priority in any adult's life. So, I think deep down, I was always searching for um, just a connection (laughs) with anybody, um, which was unfortunate because a young, naive girl who doesn't know better uh, can very easily find connection with grown men who are going to abuse her. Oh, God. So So, it was always very... Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, I was just going to say, so obviously there's no one. What about your friends? And what about those, those disgusting guys that night? Did you ever see, did you have to see them again? Were they part of your so-called friend group or were they just people that were random? Um, some of my friends were their younger siblings. Um, and unfortunately, uh, with my little twisted brain at the time, I continued to go over there and hang out with them. Um, because at least for a little while I was getting some sort of connection. Yep. Yep. And it's good that you're putting it together now as to why you did these things. Um, Mm -hmm. You're 14 years old, so you're not even legal to drink. And I can imagine at the time you were probably really scared. You knew that you weren't legal. You probably knew you shouldn't have been there because you snuck out, but that still does not and will ever justify what they did. Do you know what I mean? So I can understand that you are very, very confused and probably hurt and very, very angry too. Did you understand that they had took advantage of you though, that that particular, you know, being that age? Because, I mean, you are 14, you're coming into a young woman, sort of a young, well, young teenager. Well, I uh, unfortunately have this mindset that if I put myself into a situation, then it's my fault. Yeah. 
which I've learned is, you know, it's not, (laughs) but, um, that was what I, I was like, I was the one who decided to sneak back out. I was the one who took the drinks. I was the one who flirted with the boys and I, uh, realized that they were grown men. I use the term lightly, but, um, we're taking advantage of a child. Um, and so that just led me to, um, I guess it was around 17 that I ended up meeting my first real boyfriend. He was 12 years older than me. So he was 29. Um, and you were 17. Wow. I was 17. Uh, and I pretty much was like, F you to my family. I'm going to move out with this guy. And my grandparents were like, we could call the cops on him. You're underage. And I was like, do that. And you'll never see me again. I was a very stubborn child. Um, and he was charming. He was like, he knew what to say and what to do. And uh, once I moved in, well, I found a place that I was paying for because um, I was working. I've been working since I was 12 years old. I've just always been a working girl. And we move in together. And that's when he switched. Like, it, it jealousy and just overly controlling would get mad at me for wearing tank tops or shorts. Um and accused cheating anytime I went out without him. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it got to the point where it was physically violent. Um, I was slapped in the face a lot as a child because I, I don't know if it's an old Southern thing, but it was like, you know, don't say that or whatever. And just a pop in the mouth. Um, So you know, when he first started, you know, a random slap in the face because I was being bitchy, I I took that as normal human behavior, um, which it's not uh, at all. Right, and right. it started out as just every once and again, and it was always, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It'll never happen again. And it got to the point that um, I would be hiding bruises and uh, covering up and Um, The only one who I could talk to about was my sister, but then we got on the outs because she said that he tried to sleep with her, and I was like, "Eh, you know, he didn't, Um, but uh, when that came to a head, there was always, of course, alcohol involved in the arguments. Uh, We would get wasted, and uh, I guess it was... uh, just after my 18th birthday, he had some friends come up and got me really liquored up and told me that he wouldn't love me anymore if I wouldn't sleep with one of his friends. Um, oh my God. So I did. And he then, of course, turned it into, what a piece of shit you are. You're such white trash. Like, how dare you? And it turned into him punching me in the face and locking me out of the house that I was paying for for about three or four hours. Um, and that's when I, uh, oh, I mean, I, I can't even explain how livid I was. Uh, not even really angry that he hit me, but that he had locked me out of my home. Because I've never felt 
at home really anywhere. So the fact that I was paying for everything, all the bills, and he was just a lazy bum, I was like, how dare you? Uh, so when he finally let me back in, it was an all-out brawl. Um, at one point, he had me pinned up against the wall with his uh, arm to my throat. And uh, I kicked him in the nads, and he fell to the ground, and I grabbed a bar Good stool girl. and knocked him over the back. <laughs> and... Uh, left myself in the bedroom and called my sister because she lived like five minutes away. And I was like, I really think he's about to fucking kill me. Um, and being the good sister that she was, even though we weren't speaking at the time was over there in five minutes. And, uh, she brought her boyfriend at the time, um, with her and he sat with him in the living room until I packed all my shit up. Uh, and of course, the whole time he's telling them how I attacked him. Uh, I just came at him and started punching him and hitting him. And, and I'm, I'm a psycho. And uh, then uh, they, they knew the truth, obviously, or they wouldn't have been there helping me. Um, last thing he ever did was spit my face. So that was a you oh, know, fabulous ending of, a young girl not knowing anything about loving relationships as it is that was a terrible basis for it um so I ended up living with my sister for a little while you know I'm just curious on that note how does a mm -hmm. 17 year old girl meet a 29 year old guy where did you meet him he was waiting tables at an Applebee's Okay. And I was like, oh, he's cute. Um, and so I left my phone number on a napkin. <laughs> and uh, it's amazing how many grown men don't care to ask your age when you mm. put a persona out there that you're older. Because I've had grown men thinking I'm 18 since I was 14. Right. Um, and my sister introduced me to weed when I moved in with her. I used to be, I smoked cigarettes from the time I was 13, but I was like, oh, I won't ever do drugs. And my sister smoked weed all the time and would drive me to school and smell like it. And I'd get so mad at her. But at this point I was so low and I really didn't love myself at all. Um, and I just felt so unworthy of everything, but I was like, oh, fuck it. I'll smoke now too, What, whatever. And that was always a... Uh, I mean, worst thing I ever did was attack a box of rice checks when I was high. So that wasn't as bad as drinking. <laughs> um, but uh, I was still just constantly searching to be loved. Um, I was working pre-K uh, with little two to five-year-old kids. Um, and that job was always super rewarding. Uh, I was bartending at night, so it was super easy to drink because you can mm. get, get away with drinking on the job at a bar very easily. Um, right. but I was still staying sober during the day at this point in my life. Um, and it was about a year or so down the road that I met my second serious relationship he was um, 10 years older than me, and he, uh, what can I say about him? He was very good at mentally manipulating 
Um, I mean, I've never had anybody make me feel so small and useless in my entire life, but also make me feel like they're the only person who could ever love me. Um, and he was just extremely controlling. Um, he didn't like me driving anywhere, going anywhere and doing anything with my family. Um, and my little sister would always say, well, pretty much fuck you to him and would show up at the house all the time and, and, and try to be there for me. Uh, she's three years younger. Uh, but I was never open and honest with her. I, I'm very much, uh, I want everybody to think that everything is perfect. I don't mm. want everybody to know my baggage or my lo- dirty laundry. So I was very, very good at making everybody think that we're just this happy little couple. And uh, truly it was, <laughs> it all my previous relationships fucked me up so much that when I met my now husband, I I told him, I was like, I'd rather you punch me in the face than ever mentally abuse me. Um, and he was just taken aback. He's like, that's probably the <laughs> weirdest thing I've heard someone ever say. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was like, well, I've had both. And honestly, I'd rather fist fight you than be so fucked up in the head that I don't even care about myself. Um So in my second relationship, I started drinking a lot more. Uh, I got a job at a coffee shop and uh, the coffee shop just happened to be right next door to his work so he could keep an eye on me while I worked. And God forbid, if he ever walked in and a male customer was talking to me, it would be an all out argument all night long. Um, That relationship lasted, I guess, about three years. Uh, At the end of it, I, I was pretty much, it was just arguments, nonstop screaming and yelling at each other. Uh, I never was taught how to have a conversation with people you care about. Like Mm. you don't scream at someone you love. You don't yell at them. You don't throw things at them. You don't punch holes in walls. That's just insane. But Mm. that's what I grew up with. That's uh, my father and my stepmother were just at each other's throats all the time. Um, The police were called several times throughout my childhood. Um, And it was just that's I was used to that. I thought arguing and yelling was, I guess, a love language, really, because I didn't know any better. Um, So it was just 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 nonstop stressful arguing where, I mean, I was always in the wrong. I, uh, he accused me of cheating constantly, which I found out because uh, his best friend ended up marrying my best friend. Um, and I took them in the breakup. So they're still my friends. <laughs> um, good, <but> they, good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, geez, I just lost my train of thought. They... Um, that's all right. Completely there. So you're with him for three years. Three years. Best yeah. friends. Yes. And what happened? To, uh, did, you just got rid of him and didn't see him again? Um, that's usually how it ends up happening. Uh, he had ended up losing his job shortly before we broke up because he told his boss off. Um over the fact that he was stealing and he got caught and um 
then it, of course, since he, he felt bad about himself, he, he took it out on me and it was just, um, it just constant berating me with everything. Um, and he had actually been cheating on me the entire three years. I had actually caught him in bed twice with, uh, other women and forgave him. And, uh, you know, I, I know relationships are work, but <laughs> there's some things that shouldn't be put up with. Um, he, I think yeah, I think there's also, sorry, Keisha, but there's also a lot more to consider. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're a young woman. And I'm, I'm, from what you've told me so far, I'm thinking in the back of your mind, you're thinking, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Back to my sisters. You know, my parents aren't there. I don't really want to go back to the grandparents. Somewhat as crazy as it is, this behavior was what you knew, what you had grown up with. And do you look back now and especially when, because I'm seeing a lot of, obviously you can too probably, a lot of similarities with these last two guys. They're older, number one. They seem to have very low self-esteem, number two. And they basically, they a lot of people say, you know, what you say about yourself, you really, what they say about you is about yourself, sorry. Mm-hmm. And they just seem to project and want to put you down the whole entire time. What do you think you were looking for then? What was it that attracted you to them, do you think? What did they represent to you? Um, I, I think it's almost partially from uh, growing up with a narcissistic father who was just all about him. Um, I, I guess that was my only, I mean, other than my grandfather, who is the complete opposite. He's silent and reserved and never talks about his feelings. Um mm-hmm. I guess there was always a part of me that was drawn to that fake confidence because they were, they were just all beat my chest. I'm tough. I'm man. Hear me roar Mm -hmm. kind of guys. Mm -hmm. Um, But really deep down, they were extremely insecure. And I, I realize now as a grown woman that they always seem to have really young relationships like the girls were always the same ages because they were so immature and controlling only little girls are going to allow that a grown-ass woman isn't going to be controlled like that and um you know as a kid uh I just and I had to grow up uh so fast I was you know taking care of my younger sister I was uh always I was a storyteller as a child so when my dad and stepmother used to argue uh my siblings used to circle around and I had this felt storybook and I would put together these stories and and just I've always dived into reading and stories as my escape I was a a, Mm. a nerdy little bookworm and that was that was what I that's how I could run away from my reality and uh when I ended up leaving him um, he was trying to move me in with his mother because he wanted to save money so that he could spend $700 a week on weed and alcohol. And uh, I was just like, this is not the life I want to have. And my best friend at the time, um, I'm a very hard worker. I don't call in. I can have the flu and I'm going to mm. go to work. I'm going to work my butt off regardless of how I feel. And I had called in to work. And so, of course, she's checking up on me. She's like, what the hell? Why did you call in? 
And I was like, well, we had an argument all night long. He ended up throwing most of my books and my clothes out into the yard when it was piss pouring rain. And it was just this, just whole emotional roller coaster. Um, cause he'd gotten home drunk cause we had had a discussion about how I didn't think it was going to work out. And he like ripped my pillow out from under my head at like 11 o'clock at night and just started screaming at me. And, uh, it was a it was a rocky little breakup, um, and of course, those kinds of men, as soon as you leave them, are like, "I'm so sorry. I I'll do uh-huh. anything. I'll change." And and my best friend just looked at me and she said, "Can you spend another le- night like this?" And I was like, "No. I I think I would just I I'm broken right now." And uh, she's like, "Okay." And made phone call after phone call and got a group of people together and went to my apartment and talked to her landlord who had an open apartment next to hers and moved my ass out that night. Um, And it didn't help fix any of my own issues, though. Uh, Because part of the problem with relationships in general is if you jump into one and you don't even love yourself, how are you ever going to give love to another human? Um, I call it the extra suitcase you're taking on your way out. Yeah. um, Suitcase of emotions and and all that crap that had happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. And so from that point, I was like, I'm done with uh, trying to be serious with men. Fuck men. Fuck love. Mm -hmm. Uh, just fuck everybody and that is when the drinking started to consume me more um, so how old are you now your early 20s yes i think i'm 22 so just barely legal to drink but right. i have been drinking right. for years. Say, i feel like i've gone through half your adult life already we're just hitting um, the legal years yeah and so uh the the internet has definitely uh, made the world a more dangerous place uh, for young girls who are single. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had absolutely no care for my own life. Um, I've never been suicidal in the way that I would think to take my own life but I was suicidal in the way that I would put myself in danger constantly and not give Mm. a shit if I did die. Um, So it was about six months in to being alone that I started pouring vodka in my water bottle at work. Um, And I was barista in in the morning and bartending at night. Um, because regardless of being a drunk or a fuck up, I've always kept my jobs and I've always paid my bills. Um, I've strived a good chunk of my life to be nothing like my mother or my father. Um, uh, so it was just always a force behind me because my father was constantly getting his phones cut off and his power cut off and things like that because he just mm. was irresponsible. Um, he'd rather go out and do things and spend money on women than take care of anything um so I was like I will pay my bills I don't care if I'm hungover I'm gonna work uh, which I wasn't ever really hungover because I would just drink 
Irish cream in my coffee in the mornings, vodka in my water bottle, mints and gum in my bag, body spray, all the things to keep people thinking um, that I wasn't drunk pretty much all day, every day from the time I was 22. Um, I would go out to bars alone uh, at night and go home with random men quite frequently. Um, Tinder is a thing uh, that made it easy for strangers to show up at my house. Um, it And luckily my best friend was next door. Uh, so she would peek through the blinds and keep an eye out. But there were so many moments where she's like, that guy seemed sketchy as hell. Yeah. And uh, there was one Somebody time was guy... looking out for you. Somebody was <laughs> looking out for you. I swear I they were. I've definitely got a guardian angel because yeah. I I was driving drunk every day um, and recklessly so because I was like, I'm a good drunk driver. I would be going 100 miles an hour down the road. Oh I would God. have people in my car. I would put my friends at risk constantly because they're like, let me drive. And I'm like, no, fuck you. It's my car. Um, I kept a bottle of tequila in my uh, glove box and shot glasses in my center console. Um, I was all about the party. I was like, I, I fucking tried to be in relationships and I was responsible for a good chunk of my childhood. And I was like, fuck it. I'm done trying really. Um, I remember one guy came over to my house and I mean, this guy showed up already shit-faced and he automatically just assumed that he was going to show up there and have sex with me and I was like whoa 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 slow your roll and this man proceeded to go off on me and threaten me and uh, just like was just this I was just in shock sitting in my own home, pretty much. This guy's like, well, you're such a slutty piece of shit. No wonder you, nobody could ever love oh someone God. like you. And, like, I'm getting attacked in my own home. And I'm like, get the fuck out. And I ended up having to call the police to have him removed from my home because he refused to leave. And he's like, I had somebody drop me off. I have a DUI. I can't even. I was like, oh, yeah, you're really making a, a case for yourself here. Um and it it was it was constant stuff like that though it was I was literally putting myself in situations that I got very lucky in um I was out every night um and I mean shoo yeah there was somebody looking out for me (laughs) you know okay I've got to laugh but I'm not laughing I'm not actually laughing at all because this is really like I'm just shaking my head in, in astonishment. Do you remember the mugshot you put up on IAS and then you said, this is not a DUI shot? Tell us about that because oh, after everything you've just said, you are, you've got angels up there. I'm like, oh, because I've had a DUI and I'm like, oh, oh, that's got to be her mugshot. But then I thought, that, no, it doesn't really look like a proper one. But go on. What was it for? I actually... Uh, I should have hundreds of DUIs. Uh, I've been pulled over many, many times, completely fucking drunk, stoned off my ass car, like smoke rolling out the windows and nothing. Um, I got a lot of speeding tickets. I don't don't get that. (laughs) Why didn't they ever arrest you? 
I'm very, um, I'm not anti-authority, so I'm very like, yes, sir, officer, I'm so sorry. Oh, oh my gosh, God. I could ever do this. This will never, and, and I, you know, I'm customer service based from years of working with people that I, I, I'm, I'm a master at manipulating and lying as an addict and is. Which is quite beautiful I, I too, listeners, so that, you know, doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, um, go on. But that, that was from, I, uh. I had gotten a speeding ticket and I tried to pay it. I went to four different courthouses in uh, different areas in Tennessee and it wasn't anywhere in their system. So I was like, well, I guess the cop forgot to turn it in. No, the cop turned it in the day before my court date. So uh, I had a suspended license that I didn't know about. Um, (laughs) So I'm driving home after working a shift at the bar. It's 2.30 in the morning and I don't come to a complete stop at a red light. And I just turn right instead of coming to a complete stop and turning right. And so this cop pulls me over. Uh, I assumed looking for drunk drivers. I was drunk. I was high. I just put my blunt out as he's pulling me over. And he freaking is like, oh, what are you doing? I was like, I'm actually five minutes from home. Like, I just got off work. And he's like, well, I hate to do this to you, but you got a suspended license. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> oh, like, my God. Why? Of all things. He, yeah. And so he didn't book me then. He said I, I couldn't drive my car home. So my now husband gets a phone call to wake his ass up and come and pick me up. And he picked me up and brought, I forget how he did it, but somehow we got my car back home to and he, he got home and he's like, your fucking car reeks of marijuana. How the hell did this cop not? I was like, I don't know. I, I'm like, I'm happy he didn't get angry about anything. I'm glad he didn't make me do a, a blow test for the drinking because I was very wasted at that point. And uh, I ended up having to go back in a couple days later and get booked. Um, so I was pissed and I'm getting booked for a suspended license and being treated like a criminal. And I mean, I made a joke about how there goes those murders I was going to commit. And these cops were like, that's not funny. (laughs) So I was like, geez, Louise, my bad. But uh, he didn't say that on the side of the road. You might have been done with your DUIs. (laughs) You're funny. God. And let's see. Okay. So let's just backtrack here because you've mentioned your current husband. Um, at this time, how did you meet him? And so you were not, he was just, was he a boyfriend then or someone you knew? Um, I actually met him on Tinder. <laughs> um, okay. I swiped right. Well, there you we go, were... Keep people. It, it does work. Well, there it is occasionally. Yep, yep. And the, he's a lovely thing, bloke too. He is. The thing about him, um, he didn't just want to come over and sleep with me like 90% of any man on that app would that he wanted to take me out because usually I just invite him over and I had rules no no sleepovers no cuddling just give me what I want get the hell out of my house Here's oh my a god <laughs> <laughs> well I was at the point that I was so done trying yeah to be yeah yeah in uh, that I because it was just this crazy no more emotional mess. damage needed yeah, thank you yeah exactly, exactly. I, no I, was, I was done yeah and yeah. uh he 
I do remember that that first I mean we did you know have fun our first night together but uh I remember telling my best friend I was like oh my god he's such a good kisser (laughs) she's like are you okay (laughs) this is not the you I know you don't gush over a guy but he he started asking me out more and taking me to concerts and and actually doing things with me hiking and um of course, uh, we still drank a lot. Uh, I I was making his drinking a lot worse. He's a he's a have mm-hmm. a beer on the weekend kind of guy, and I'm mm-hmm. a like, hey, mm-hmm. take a shot. It's a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't really changing at all. I was still party girl. Um, and we started seriously dating, and it was uh, it was a fucking roller coaster for him and, and me, um, I was having so many issues with self-loathing and deprecation and jealousy that it was just like the poor man had to be on edge every time he took me out because I was one shot away from trying to fist fight a girl because she looked at him. Um, I have, oh, I don't know if anybody... Who listens to this knows anything about the Biltmore House in North Carolina? It is a gorgeous historic home. Beautiful, I've seen it. Yeah, yes. beautiful. It's gorgeous. Beautiful. Um, and they have sh- they have shows there um, every once and again. And he took me to one of those, and I brought a Starbucks cup full of moonshine. And uh, we get there, and they're like, "You can't bring outside food or drink in." So I down this sixteen ounce cup of moonshine. That's pretty, pretty uh, crazy going, right? It was, it was was very (laughs) intense. Um, And then I proceeded to buy a jug of wine once we got in there. Now I'm wearing all white. I end up spilling wine all over me. I'm so fucked up and drunk. I ruined the entire show for him. I don't even think he can listen to that band anymore. I forget who it was. Obviously, I don't remember a lot of the night. Um, and he said at one point I went blind. I, I couldn't see and I was like freaking out. And I'm guessing it's from the mass amount. It might have been a touch of alcohol poisoning. Um, and mm. he kept being like, let me take you to the doctor. And I was like, no, I fucking hate doctors. Don't you dare. He's like, you can't see right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was the hundredth time he's dealt with something like that. Um, I am very passionate person. I feel very big and alcohol amped that up a lot when it came mm-hmm. to the bad emotions. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would make me happy for a second, but then yep. it would make me ragingly jealous. It would make, I mean, he could talk to a female and I'd be like, who the fuck is that? Are you, uh, you, you well, why don't you fucking go home with her? Uh, he, uh, I, I would just, it was amazing how much he put up with because if the shoe was on the other foot (laughs) I I wouldn't have put up with it Um, he loved you he loved you and you know what I think I think deep down he knew it was the alcohol talking because I'm sure he would see other sides of you well when you weren't totally intoxicated you know what I mean like right something was there because he's your husband today so (laughs) right right so let me let me say this to you this is like my god yeah well to be honest with you you probably should have been in the hospital because (laughs) I just know moonshine is really 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 strong from what I've heard 
Um, and just from the years and years, I mean, at this point, you, you know, you've got 10 years under your belt of just going for it. So mm-hmm. when did it get to the point where he's still around, he's still, he's still loving you despite all the stuff you're throwing at him, and I'm, I'm just sitting here with a slight smile on my face because at this point you remind me of me. Like I'm looking at you thinking I have been there and I have done that. And it's almost like we wanted to push them so far away because we couldn't believe how good they were, that this this guy was treating you like no other. You didn't know what to do with it. I didn't yeah. have that problem. I just treated him like shit because my father left and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to get rid of you before you decide to go. So and I was making was decisions for them, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not, because that's I was not like, for us to do. No, I was like, you're going to leave me either way. So right, and that's the insecurity of being abandoned. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I know that you put a lot of this together now because you're you're working it all out. (laughs) So when did when? Because I mean, as I said, well, listeners, she's five years sober. This is the (laughs) great, great, great news. This is why I get chills every time I say it. And it's today. This is her day today. Five year, I know, soberversary. So when did it come to the crunch, Acacia, when you stopped? Like, did he have enough and just say, look, I can't do Because it's got to be exhausting for both of you at this point. Well, um, Is I there more? Tried to, well, I tried to mo- <laughs> I've tried to moderate uh, a lot. I, I was like, well, I'll cut back. But cutting back in my book was I'll only drink beer all day instead of beer and liquor. Or I'll only drink liquor all day instead of liquor and beer. Um so he had caught me in quite a few lies when it came to where I was and what I was doing because he had asked me multiple times to to slow down and just cut back and and just not drink all the time and mm-hmm. I mean we get good at lying when you're addicts oh, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was, it was constantly lying about, Oh no, no, I haven't drank today. And I honestly know that deep down he knew that I was, even when I was saying that I wasn't. Um, and it was, it was never, you know, the people I partied with that was getting hurt. It was the people I cared about. And, uh, the last day I drank, um, we I told him I was going to spend time with my sister and my niece and nephew. Um, instead, I went to the brewery uh, right by the coffee shop I worked at and had a couple beers and then ended up going to a party um, where I ended up getting roofied. Um, and I'd been roofied several times before in my single life. Um, so I knew what was about to happen. Like I could feel that haziness um, coming over me. And so That's I got my cute. car. Yeah, it, it, it getting your car is, is not a smart thing to oh do my either. God. You're scaring but... me. I'm sitting here thinking, is this all real? I know it is, but oh my goodness, go on. Wow. So I got my wow. my car and I drove to my work because it was the closest place that I felt I could be safe. Um, and I ran my car into the brick post right outside my job. And I stumble into my job and my boss is like, oh my God, what's happening? Are you okay? And I was like, I'm just sick. I'm just so sick. I just need to lay down. So we had a couch. It was a coffee shop and she laid me down on the couch and then I'm, I'm gone. Like, I don't remember leaving. I don't remember 
Um, really anything after that. Uh, my sister found me uh, half naked in some stranger's yard behind the business plaza. <laughs> um, so I don't recall how I ended up there or what had happened. Uh, I just remember waking up in my grandparents' basement and my sister was there with me and she's like, boyfriend called and was like, I don't know where your sister's at, but you need to go and get her. So my sister went and hunted me down. They found my wrecked car and then they hunted around and finally found me. And that was the day that I was like, I think I'm going to end up killing myself if I continue to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you think, yeah. This, this man oh, who girl. cares deeply for me um, is you know, has put up with so much is at the point where he's like, I'm so done with this. Like, why the hell can't you change? And I was just from that day forward, I haven't touched the stuff. Um, It was rough um, at first. He still wanted to try to be there. We were living together at the time. Um, But he even had a hard time telling me that he loved me I had broken so much trust at this point um and just manipulated and lied uh just to keep pouring poison into my body and not deal with my own problems and it it, it was a, a tough first year because uh, it's it's lonely when you quit drinking I really wish I knew about <laughs> I am sober right. when I first yeah. quit yeah it would have been nice to have the community that we have um because I had my my dog he was always super cuddly and he loved me even though I was a jerk to him when I was drunk and it it was rough on both of us because he wanted so hard to be supportive but at the same time he was ah so beaten down by all of it that the trust just wasn't there anymore so I could say, well, I'm not drinking all he wanted, but it was always like, but are you? Because you've said that before. And so it took it took a while to build that trust back up and to get, I mean, I look at pictures of that time and there's just this sadness in his eyes. I don't know. Other people can see it from pictures, but I see it and it just breaks my heart that I could cause someone that much pain after all the pain I've been through. It was never my intention to hurt someone like that. Get emotional. Yeah, it's I'm okay, doll. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay because he's. He, he, it's okay because he's your husband today, and you are five years down the track, not the young lady that you used to be. So, how long did it take? Do you think? Because trust is a big issue in any relationship. It's the foundation, let's face it. Mm-hmm. And it's often broken. That's the reality in any relationship, you know, whether it was even in your family when you were young, the trust was broken, you know, between, I mean, you think you can trust your parents and they'll be there for you. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, your world was blown apart at a very young age. And then things just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So when did he start to retrust you again how long did it take do you think yeah it was slowly built up over that first year of sobriety and 
it it just <laughs> an amazing 180 uh, when it just came to everything um he could breathe again when we would go out like he could actually enjoy himself and not worry anymore um he ended up proposing in Iceland after two years of sobriety uh, and it wow a year after that we ended up pregnant and uh here we are now <laughs> I know. five years I know. later it's, it, it's the it's it really is it's like a fairy tale because it was god you came from you came from hell rose from the ashes and here you are you know um and he didn't give up and you are a very tenacious lady that's i see a lot of that like you said you had a really strong work ethic you know you was stubborn. <laughs> I can relate with you there. <laughs> I was the same. I would go to work just stinking, reeking, even in my 20s. Sometimes I wouldn't even go home, just go straight to the office, you know, with a change of clothes or whatever, change in the toilets, get back out to work. Um, it's the things we do, you know, but, and I too think sometimes I look back and I think I've been in different countries where I've been on my own. So a lot of the time I was in hotel environments, but even getting into cabs alone at night, drunk, just things like that, people that you meet, and they're all of a sudden your best friends, and you're thinking the next day, I don't even know these people. You know, last night was great, but who the hell were they? And they start ringing, you're like, oh, my God, how can I put this together? Um, but we've all put ourselves. I'm sure there's many people out there are thinking, my God, I put myself in a situation too. I have many a time. And I think, thank God I'm so lucky that, nothing really bad ever happened I think mm -hmm. I used to give off those don't you come near me vibes <laughs> I was I don't know that I was always that friendly you know if I thought you were sort of you know because you get vibes from people <laughs> if you gave me a bad vibe that was it my vibe was even worse coming back but you know your tenacity and everything got you through because I think deep down inside you're a survivor obviously and you know you was you were independent you were working and you and I've had this chat about now being a mother and your beautiful, beautiful baby girl. And, you know, we've both given up work and we, we were talking about just losing that part of our independence, which at first is really difficult to do. But then there's a nice side of leaning on somebody else for a change because for 20 years I did it all on my own. You know, paid every bill, whatever, whatever, did it. And when I when I eventually got married, it was like, oh, but I, I knew I could trust him. The trust was there. That's something I've always had in my relationship. I've never, ever doubted for one minute. And I think you probably were very accountable at the time, you know, when you turned things around. I think just being there, you know, telling him every single day, and that just became your norm, the routines mm -hmm. that you were in. I'm sure you were calling, this is what I'm doing, checking in. So he never, ever could worry. And that's yeah. the difference. That's doing the work. Mm -hmm. So he never doubted probably where you were because he knew you were honest and open with him. And that's right. what it takes. I've got people at the moment who are in relationships and they're not trusting their partners and their partners are certainly not telling them and being open and transparent about what they're doing. And so that no. trust is not repaired. And, and trust is the most important thing. It's the thing. most important thing. And it's, I mean, it's not easily gained, but it's easily broken. Correct. Oh, 
Okay, yeah, she's cause... got the baby girl is actually crying. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Go get yourselves a cuppa. Okay, listeners, we are back. We got our cuppa. Um, the gorgeous baby girl is settled. And we were talking about trust, Acacia. So you and I just in that break, you said what? It took him about two years to trust you. You go to Iceland and then he asks you to marry him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the thing. You can't you can't form that trust back overnight for sure. Um, it right. takes a lot of hard work, a lot of checking in, a lot of uh, giving that person affirmations and love and making them know that you're there for them and supporting for them, even though you need the support too. Because it's 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 two sided. It's definitely it's got to go both ways. Because I can't just expect love and affection and then be like, eh, whatever. You don't need anything. So it it it, it took a lot. Um, There's a lot of emotional baggage. A lot of uh, discussions, not arguments. Because arguments don't lead anywhere. Um, which amazingly when you're sober it's so much easier to have discussions about important things with people yeah um because I was always the worst at bringing stuff up when I was completely shit-faced and and wanting to scream and yell about it rather than discuss it um so we we uh start planning the wedding um I am not a good planner. I'm a fly by the seat of my pants kind of gal and he's a logistics kind of guy um and his mother, his mother's amazing. Um, she's the mother I strive to be. She turned her home into this beautiful, magical wonderland. They own a farm. And so we had this gorgeous barn wedding at her house. Um, nice. And we found out two months before the wedding that I was pregnant. Um, I had been told for 15 years that I had a overly active hormones that would keep me sterile. Um, so she was a huge surprise. Um, and the greatest little surprise. Uh, so we, we had her technically at the wedding too. It was not a shotgun wedding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) my, though my family and I are still, it's rocky. Um, I, I love my family and I accept them for who they are. Um, we, we aren't necessarily talking. I still talk to my siblings quite often. Um, but the grandparents and I are kind of on the outs. We've, we've had our disagreements as of late. Um, they try to force me to make my daughter see my father and I want him to be no part of her life because of, uh, histories of years of years of just neglect and using us so I don't want her to ever feel used by someone who should be loving them um so we end up getting married and having the little turd and uh we're uh, we're just at a, a very good place now um I, I will say that sobriety it gets easier. Of course, there's still hard days. There's days where those voices want to try to creep back in and uh, sink their claws into me. But um, I have found a lot of hope on the I Am Sober community. 
They teach me things every day. I might have numbers and I'm putting air quotes over that under my belt, but we are all one second away from slipping back down that rabbit hole. And I feel when you get comfortable is when those demons are like, oh, hey, how you doing? You've been clean for a long time. Maybe, maybe you could handle moderation. Maybe you could have just a beer. Um, and that's that, that sneaking voice that uh, I got to slap it in the face. I literally have actual arguments with myself sometimes when that voice wants to pop up. I'm like slapping it and saying, what the hell? We've, we've trained for this. You know better. Like, this is not going to happen. Fuck you uh goodbye (laughs) because I mean even with five years you still have days that suck um uh I was probably a year and a half clean when my best friend killed himself and we were going to meet my husband's brother at a Mexican restaurant and I love tequila and you know how much those margaritas were screaming Mm. for me because Mm. I'm sitting there trying to keep it together and not ball my eyes out and scream and just be angry at the world. Um, I've lost animals while being sober. I've, I've dealt with um, relationships falling apart because of my sobriety. Um, and it just, you just got to battle through it. Um, you have to sit with it. I hate sitting with my emotions. I, I feel icky and I'm so like, do I. I don't want to cry. I, I don't want to be mad. I just, I just want to be happy all the time. But mm-hmm. you, ha- you have to fucking sit with it and you have to feel it and you have to process it. And that's what a healthy brain does. And it's, it's a struggle. And I just, uh, I just want everybody to know that there is, there is hope in it um it is not it, you're it's, I can't even find the words to describe the joy I have some days I took a hike today and it started pouring the rain and instead of getting angry about it I just uh, feeling the raindrops on me and the cool breeze and the smell of the dirt and the trees and just the joyous moments that I would never have if I was drinking, those, those little moments in life are what are so fucking precious. And if you can't be present for that, you're just missing out on so much. And you're not missing out when people go out drinking nine times out of 10, they feel like shit the next day and they're miserable. And most people are masking their pain by drinking. And it just, it just, it's so much better to just be clear headed and present and there for the people you love instead of destroying the people you love. Um, it's been a, a crazy ride. Um, I am so lucky to, to be where I'm at and to have these five years under my belt. And I, I feel blessed to have met so many wonderful people when I am sober. And I learned so much from people, from people on day one to people with nine months to people with a year to people with a week, because uh, we all have our battles and it's all different and we all struggle in different ways and we all cope in different ways. You know, what works for me isn't going to work for everybody. And I found 
so much love and positivity there that you just don't find on, you know, like Facebook and Instagram. That shit's just constantly, you know, gotta be pretty imperfect to be on those, but you can share your bad moments and your good and feel like you're seen, which I had been looking for so long in my life. <laughs> I love it. She's, she's talking. She wants to get on here as well. And she's quite welcome yeah. to as well. She's beautiful. <laughs> I can see her. I'll look at her. Hello. Say hi. Yeah, look, I agree with you. I mean, I call it like the greatest global resource that we have reading all those posts. You can go in yeah. any given day. And I learned so much too. And you're right. We don't all experience everything in the same timing. But we do experience the same sort of things, the highs, the lows, the dopamines, looking at our feelings, getting in touch, solving our issues. And, you know, there was a saying, and I love this one, it sort of says, you know, you'll never be alone when you have yourself. Because I used to always feel like I was lonely on my own, do, 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 do. But now, that's because I didn't like myself when I was drinking. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Oh, and yeah. now it's totally different. You know, I can trust myself. You can trust yourself. You know, we can make decisions that are good for us. But unfortunately, it's like you said, I, um, I came up with a saying the other day saying that being sober is basically like sorting your shit out for where it needs to be. And that takes time. You know, it just takes time. Um, so, yeah, um, peeling that onion is going to take a while mm. for sure. Well, and so we I had never dealt with a lot of my traumas. Um, and I, I don't like to ask for help. <laughs> I'm very no, stubborn. Either. And, yeah. and yeah. so the idea of paying someone to listen to my problems, what the hell? No way. No, thank you. And I honestly didn't even get into therapy until uh, I had a, a meltdown in front of uh, my daughter and I was throwing clothes and just acting like a baby and I was like what the hell is wrong with me I do not want to teach this girl that that is an acceptable way to deal with emotions like this is not okay and then I was like crap I still have some baggage <laughs> I still mm -hmm. need to work through some shit so right. that's when I finally was like you know what I'm gonna find a therapist and I'm gonna work through my damn shit <laughs> And it's been amazing. She's taught me all sorts of tricks to uh, be able to sit with my emotions and not not just explode because I do feel things so strongly. And I just, I've been an impulse reactor to my emotions my whole life. And I'm learning how to actually, you know, think about things before I say them. So uh, I just... I want everybody to know that it's, it doesn't make you weak to ask for help. It actually makes you pretty fucking strong to mm -hmm. admit that you need it. And uh, I, I'm slowly learning that. And uh, we're just trying to be the best mom and, and wife and friend I can be. <laughs> well, you certainly brought it all together. And I'm just so happy for you. I really, really am. And vulnerability, you know... We're all vulnerable at the end of the day. It's just whether we show it and whether we're, and you have to be honest and open on this journey. I've said it before, you know, and Polly says it too. You've got to be honest and open. And when you have nothing to hide, you're free. 
It's just nice to feel free. You know, you don't have to plan your life around alcohol. You don't have to, oh, my God, where am I getting my next drink? Oh, I've got to go here. Oh, I've got to take this a roadie. I've got to do that. Oh, no, I can't go to that party because you know, there's no alcohol. It's just mm-hmm. exhausting, absolutely exhausting. And you do have to fill up your toolbox. But what's interesting, and I know now why we, you don't graduate from this school, as someone said to me, is because those voices probably will not ever go away. I know for me even, they very rarely come. And I get ang- I've got an anger towards the addict voice and I keep my anger it's a healthy anger because Mm -hmm. I like you say you know what (laughs) I treat myself like my best friend and I'm a coach so I'm talking to my best friend and I'm saying you know what we're not letting him come near you we're not bang piss off and that's it you know what I mean I've got my shield and sword as you see on Mm -hmm. IAS all the time and if decapitation is necessary, it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I will decapitate the demon before I pick up a drink. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm one angry warrior, really, but it works for me. Because if mm-hmm. I let, I don't want to let that thing in to, to even give it an ounce of my energy. I've done too much work. I've retrained the brain. I've rewired my brain to, you know, unlearn all those years of habits. And so have you with being treated not so great at all is to now it's I deserve this you've got that self-worth back you know and that's taken a lot of work and you are worth it and you are a terrific mum you're a great friend everybody adores you on IAS I you've got my 1000% respect because (laughs) five years how like it's just astounding to me and you know you're I'm sorry but you're on a pedestal now that's it you're not coming down (laughs) you're not coming down to that I don't know anybody that has the uh, but I don't know anybody who's got the amount of time that you have I really don't not on IAS it's taken a a, a lot of commitment to myself um because anytime I had ever tried to slow down or quit for anybody else it didn't work out and when I realized that I was digging my own damn grave I just I I had to (laughs) I had to do it. And, um, I, I, like you said, I had a guardian angel cause I put myself in so many situations where I could have ended up dead in a ditch. I don't know how many cars I wrecked. Um, and it just uh, walked away from it without a scratch every time. And it's just, it's just the, the craziest, everything happens for a reason though. Um, and I, I, I want to say that my body finally recovered and that's how I ended up with this little baby because exactly right. after being exactly told right. I couldn't have them and then all of a sudden, I mean, when they told me to go get a pregnancy test, I laughed at my friends. I was like, you're insane. And they're like, just try it, just try it. And then I did and I was like, holy shit, <laughs> what just happened? So, I mean, it's just, I was poisoning myself to make myself feel better and finally realized that uh, only I can make myself feel better. Only I can give myself self-worth and I fucking deserve it. (laughs) And it's a hard place to come to. Yeah. And when you end up um, on the stranger's lawn, half naked, I reckon that's... (laughs) 
that's a good time to start. <laughs> Sorry, Keisha, but like you must have been like, what the <laughs> hell am I doing here? Well, I don't even remember uh, that because I, know, I yeah. was so fucked up that I I just had my sister tell me that she's yep. like, oh yeah, no, you. And we've all well, I've been there too, where I don't remember. And the next day mm-hmm. I'm on crutches because I've done an ankle or I've fallen over the wrong way or, you know, I mean, it's, but the great thing is that as much tenacity as we had and as much stubbornness with drinking, we've got that now in sobriety. So they're actually really good qualities to have and to be stubborn about not drinking and to, and to have a little bit of healthy anger and the fear of not going back. That's what I have, a healthy fear of not going back. And going through, you know, what I went through to get myself right. And it is going to take a long time. I think at least two years for me, at least. But is there anything else you want to add before we say goodbye to the listeners? Because this is, I'm sure the listeners are like, wow, I need a cuppa. I need a cuppa now too because, you know, this is, this is life. This happens. As sad mm-hmm. as it is, there are many young people out there who maybe don't have loving considerate, reliable parents, um, don't know what to do, feel lost and just want to forget. And that's what this is all about. We all drank to forget something. You know, even if it started out as, oh, social anxiety or just to fit in and, you know, just to, yeah, just to be able to party with people and be accepted. At the end, we didn't know it was poison and it is poison. And now I look back and think, wow, but one thing, even at my age, at 58, you're never, ever too too old to change. Never, ever. And I'm so glad I did. I don't, you know, I don't look back and I don't want to look back. I just want to keep going forward. So is there anything else you want to say? Um, I think one of my favourite things that my therapist says to me is that uh, I, I'm no longer on the football field. To not hate all of the tools that I had to survive the shit that I survived but damn it I'm on the golf course and I need to get rid of these pads and that is what sobriety is it is working through your shit and taking those pads off and being vulnerable and realizing that it's gonna be okay yeah and uh it's it's just a metaphor for life because yeah I, I'd say I'm on the golf course now and holy shit it's hard to do with pads off <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was going to say, I, I love that you just hit a hole in one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say so. I'm getting those pads off. It's just, it's, it's not just about not drinking. There's a reason why you were, and you got to love yourself and figure it out. And I just hope that uh, telling my story can maybe help somebody, um, anybody, just one person, and it'll be all worth it because you're not alone (laughs) no you're not and that's exactly why I say why I do these to make people feel you're not alone I know exactly what it's like I felt it when I first started out life is so different today and for that I'm forever grateful and I just want to thank you again congratulations on your five years you've done amazingly well you've been very brave telling your story I adore you I think you're an amazing amazing woman and I just adore your family, your dogs, your beautiful baby girl. And I'm just really happy to have you as a friend. So thank you. And, you know, I wish nothing but the best for you, darling. Thank you. All right, listeners, well, we're going to say goodbye on that note. It's King 13 signing off. And from my beautiful guest, 
Acacia. Oh. Bye. <laughs> okay, thanks, darling. And I will be talking to you again soon. And whatever you do, guys, do what her mate Drifter says, poise, pour the poison down the sink. That is, pour the poison down the <laughs> sink. And I'll see you next time. Okay, bye for now. <laughs>